Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric March. Hey, Matt, how are you? Eric, do you have my Coca-Cola? I, uh, no, I don't. Sorry. Should we stop this recording so I can go and grab it? Oh, but you have a diet oh, Coca-Cola and I do have a, a, I have a diet Coke feisty cherry. So I don't even know. This didn't exist, I'm sure. Uh, during uh, the period in which this film takes Chicago place. Chicago 1927. Today, yeah, I know. We were going to get to that point. I know. But, but thank but you. Just wanted to clarify uh, that. Today we are reviewing George C. Wolfe's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, starring Viola Davis, uh, Chadwick Boseman in his final uh, appearance on screen, um, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Glenn uh, Turman, Coleman Domingo, uh, Michael Potts, and more. Um, yeah, Eric, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we're recording this one a little bit late. Um, it's you know getting close to the holidays now, so we'll be you know reviewing yeah. some more stuff in in the in the next week or two with movies like Soul and uh, News of the World and uh, The Midnight lot, Sky and like, Wonder I Woman prepped, and. I- I spent the whole morning while you slept yesterday um, to <laughs> um, prep to prep all uh, all of our you know thumbnails for social and stuff like that. And I was just going through because I was. Well, doing... I saw the pieces of a woman one on uh, Spotify. So yeah, I changed some of them because uh, I was prepping for our repost for stuff that we covered during TIFF, and then I was also prepping all the new stuff. Yeah, we still have Soul. We have News of the World. We have The Midnight Sky. We got Wonder Woman 1984, which you know we'll have to probably... We'll get that review to you guys probably not Christmas Day. It'll probably be Boxing Day, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, Because we'll have to watch that and then uh, get back to you guys. So probably boxing day ish we'll have the wonder woman unless eric and i can watch it on christmas eve but we'll figure that out i'll talk um, to you after uh, the podcast i have something yeah yeah we okay we'll figure that out um anyways uh let's get into it man uh this is now on netflix i should mention that uh yeah we're a little bit late on this one so apologies but um it's now playing on netflix let's get into it eric what is ma rainey's black yeah so ma rainey's black bottom is a dialogue driven drama based on the stage play from 1982 by uh playwright august wilson um who also was the playwright behind fences and you know as you're watching the, the the film version of this you can obviously tell that it is a stage to screen adaptation uh down to you know uh just you know the static locations of where they're shooting this movie so it takes place over the course of a day for the most part at a recording studio in chicago in 1927 as i already mentioned it's a sweltering hot summer day ma rainey is going to record some of her classic hits that are popular on uh tour um for a white recording studio and basically it is the band and her sort of clashing specifically with Chadwick Boseman's hotshot trumpet player Levy Green um, kind of being the one that is feeling like you know he's going to catapult his own career um, out out of this and sort of you know become a uh, an artist of his own right and recognition but also you find uh, you know there's this interesting dichotomy between uh, the veteran players you know the 
the Coleman Domingos and the Glenn Termans who are talking about like, you know, wanting to do the job and get paid and then go home and not really necessarily looking at this as, you know, uh, art or, or for artists sake, they're, they're, they're technicians, they're musicians, they do what they're 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 told. And there's this interesting conflict between them and then Ma and then Ma with the studio execs um, who are wanting her to record. And so there's this interesting kind of, um, again, dialogue-driven conversation between all of them when it comes to race, uh, authenticity, music, tragedy, post-trauma. Um, we learn a lot about uh, Levy growing up as a child and you know the horrible things that he witnessed in the South and how that plays out. And there's this conversation about being young and kind of quote unquote foolish um, in sort of looking at the world and you know the way that he does. And you know they're minuscule little transgressions throughout, but they kind of all bubble up to something a little bit bigger. Um, the performances I think across the board are all really good. Um, but like fences, which Denzel Washington's also a producer on this, um, you know, like if you're not into the kind of like just traditional adaptation where, you know, you're getting a lot of, you know, one room conversations for the most part, there's not a lot of dynamic shifting in terms of uh, camera angles or interesting kind of shots. It's all just, you know, on the performers. Uh, You might get bored by this, even though it is a a shorter film and it's to the point. And I think for that, I have to give it some credit. Yeah. yeah. And also I think the last act of the movie or the last maybe five minutes or so do sum up what the film is getting at, especially when it comes to African-American musicians um, being ripped off and and not getting the credit that they deserved for basically shepherding not just the blues but being the foundation for rock and roll. Um, you know, not getting credit where credits due. I think that these things are all very much intertwined into uh, the play throughout and the themes of the story. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I'm I'm a little bit soft on the entire thing. Just like, I don't think it's a bad movie per se or anything, but uh, I fall in that kind of category where it's a little too stagey for me. And this is something we've talked about this year uh, with things like one night in Miami or the father, um, other stage adaptations um, uh, that we've seen in recent memory where uh, to me, if it's a, it's a very straight up, like, Oh, we are just adapting this play. It's going to be in two locations, two different rooms, and it is going to be a bunch of people talking. That's totally fine. Um, and I do feel like, I don't know. I, I was a little bit bored by it. And by all means, like I, I think Chadwick Boseman is, is totally captivating in the movie at any time he's on screen. Um, I don't think this is one of those cases of being like, Oh, well he, he passed away. So maybe there's a little bit more, uh, or giving I, sometimes with things like, uh, with the posthumous, posthumous yeah, like, I, uh, what you're saying, with like Heath Ledger, like, even in the Joker or yeah. Peter Finch in network who you went off gets a little, I don't want to say you get a little bit of a boost, but there's, you know, people are a little easier on, on, on those kind of performances or give them a little bit of a boost because of that. But I, I think watching him in this movie, it just kind of, it just, you go, fuck this guy was just like, I know started. he was in his forties. Yeah, I know he was in his 40s, but he really did feel like he was just getting started. And, and he is, I think, the 
the shining star of this movie. And I don't think that's overhyping it or anything. Like I actually do think he is uh, quite excellent in the movie. I feel like um, you could see his passion and, and in every scene that he's in, I never felt like it was overacted or anything like that. Like I really was captivated by everything he did in this movie and the movie does um, feature him prominently. Um, I mean, he is probably the lead in the movie, even more so than the titular Ma Rainey. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just, I really think he is quite good. Uh, the movie surrounding him, uh, important stuff. Um, I, I just kind of was like, man, like when we talked about the father and how, if you're going to turn a stage play into a movie, uh, I like it to feel cinematic. Um, I understand why you do this because the play is from the eighties. It's been done a few times on Broadway and, and not everyone has the opportunity to maybe go see this stage play live. So much like I talk about weirdly, I'll bring up video game movies in this. And we just reviewed monster hunter, which you guys can check out completely different than this, this is way better. Much worse yeah. than this. Yes, I'll clarify that. Um, But my argument with video game movies is like, okay, Eric, you're never going to play The Last of Us. You're just not, you don't play video games. Yeah, and it's not because I don't want to. It's just, yeah, I just don't have any reference to playing. Yeah. And that's totally fine, which is why I think, oh, we should be able to, like, adaptations of that stuff I think are fine. When people go, that's pointless, you can just play the game. And to me to say that's pointless, you can just see the play. Um, doesn't really, I, I feel like work because not everyone's going to have the opportunity to see this play. So I understand doing a straight up adaptation of the stage play, but it's just not the kind of movie I personally want to watch. And that's not saying it's bad by any means, but it is very talky. It's very stagey. Um, it's, it is performance driven. Sometimes it's, it's a little, overacted in my opinion um minus chadwick who i think is 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 really really good and that's not saying every anyone else is bad it's just that kind of stage style acting and you could tell like that the script is really driven from that and um so i just kind of teetered in and out of 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 paying attention and and that i think is doing a disservice to you know the subject matter and 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 what the movie's trying to say is just like i couldn't connect with it and i just uh, ultimately, like you said, was kind of bored. Um, that being said, do you think the performances are good? I thought Chadwick Boseman was excellent. Um, some of the music is great, obviously. And, um, and weirdly Viola Davis, um, it, to me, I texted you this and I was like, and I understand she did fences with, with, with Denzel and that's another August Wilson, um, play. And he's a producer on this movie, but I'm like, I don't know if this is, I haven't seen any, if there are, is any footage of Ma Rainey actually speaking, but Davis in this movie feels to me like she's doing Denzel Washington. And it was just distracting to me, like her inflection and the way that she was delivering her dialogue just felt like Denzel. (laughs) And that to me, I couldn't get out of my head. And it was just, uh, I think she's captivating at moments in the movie too. I really like the Coca-Cola moment. I like her just kind of, dominating attitude um and just going no i'm the i'm the star here it's gonna go my way and i i kind of like her presence but um i did feel like the delivery of some of this stuff um was a bit distracting to me because i'm like wow this really sounds like denzel washington and it's throwing me off yeah i know what you're talking about where it's like that kind of like sly intimidation where like you know she's the one that kind of knows all the angles of the situation but what i really like about that performance as well is that it could be easily mistaken as just like you know diva 
diva behavior, but it's not. It's yeah. it, there's there's a reasoning to why she acts the way she does and she treats people the way she does because she understands the industry that she's in, and especially at that time period where you know. Uh, black artists were not getting barely any treatment like she was the anomaly yeah. there where it was kind of like you know even she could be considered expendable to a certain uh degree and so you know you look at like artists like you know bb king and and buddy guy and and you know people like that who you know kind of brought blues to the mainstream but at the same time still didn't get the credit that they deserved even more so but then you know you have someone like elvis presley who comes in and literally kind of you know catapults the whole thing into another uh era and makes you know uh rhythm and blues and r&b you know into this rockabilly rock and roll style and then you know a lot of artists since then have, have copied i mean like eric clapton the rolling stones beatles led zeppelin e- everybody has done it you know some people are more forthcoming with saying yeah we ripped off these artists and others like led zeppelin will always admit like oh yeah we we totally you know ripped off this person where like the rolling stones and mick jagger's like no this is our style we you know we cultivated this over years and it's like well that's a bunch of bullshit i think the most interesting thing visually and symbolically of what's going on in, in, in the film is that you have these literal levels of, you know, where people yeah. are. So the basement is, is reserved for the band who are rehearsing before the recording. Ma is on the recording level. And then the, and then the white producers, producers are, are in, are in the, the yeah. recording suite. And I think that that's kind that's of interesting, top, yeah. but like, I mean, it's, that is but it's also very yeah. much like it's obvious. And like the other thing about this that I actually really do like about the movie, I'm also kind of soft on the film overall. And I wish that the movie was as good as, Bozeman's performance like I think if it was on that level it would be a a great film and nothing against uh director George C. Wolfe who's also an actor as well and you can tell you know he's favoring the performance over anything else um is that I do like that as a quote-unquote music biopic it's not a cradle to the grave story it's a one day kind of situation where like you still get everything I think that you need from the story and even just like Ma Rainey's sexuality. Like, I think that that stuff is is really fascinating to watch and like, you know, that she is basically, you know, in this relationship with this younger woman. And it, you know, like when we look at it from the point of view of like a rock star with a groupie or something like that, like that's fine. But like when we see, you know, an older woman dating a younger woman at that time, you know, and, and being, you know, African-American as well, it's this fascinating and also really, you know, look into a time period where, you know, that, quote unquote wouldn't be considered acceptable. And I think that that's really interesting as well. And I really liked um, uh, Taylor page who plays, um, her girlfriend or, or Maul as well. And she was supposed, she's the lead in um, Zola, the A24 movie that's coming up as well. So, ah, um, which just got pushed to next middle of next yeah, year for, right, June, didn't it? for June. So yeah, they, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I pretty much agree with you. We're like, the things that don't work for me are like, okay, like you can literally tell that this is a, you know, stage to screen adaptation. And, and like you said, with the father, like the father is a movie, a perfect example of where like on paper, it's like, okay, we're going to get, you know, a bunch of British people giving these great performances in, in a yeah. very kind of dry, you know, histrionic, maybe at times movie, but then you watch the film and you watch how the editing plays out and the, the cinematography and just the 
continuity of it. And you're like, okay, this is structure. This is doing something completely different with the form than what we would expect. And I hope, and that's what I want out of these. Exactly. And I want, and I, and I hope more people do go and see that film. And then in the future think, okay, well we can do something a little bit more than just, a literal adaptation that feels like, you know, we literally just took, you know, what was written on the page and are just shooting from that. You might've had them on, you might as well have had them on a stage yeah. and just put a, a, a static camera and just shoot a live like version you might have of well it. done like that, Hamilton style, right? Like exactly. And that, that goes back to some of my frustrations with some like, and even one night in Miami, um, I had similar sort of frustrations with, and maybe that's just a subjective personal thing. Maybe there are, I'm sure lots of people who, you know, especially right now are missing um, live theater. And this might be the welcome kind of thing that they're looking for. Right. So I think it goes into that, you know, personal kind of preference territory. But when it comes to, I watch movies for a reason, I go to stage plays for a reason. And, and if you're going to kind of have those crossover, um, I do want you to use the tools that you have to kind of make something uniquely cinematic rather than it just feel like this very static stage play. Um, and I think that's just kind of where I, I, I fell on this and, and I, I, I don't think necessarily anything's bad in the movie. Um, I just, uh, it was missing something and I'm with you where like I was, I, I, Bozeman is so good that you wish the movie surrounding him was as good as he is. In right. The movie. And, and, and again, it's nothing to say, you know, against the performances. Like I also really loved Coleman Domingo in the movie as Cutler. He's the, great. He's always and, great. And he's interesting as well, just because he's the go between, between the band and Ma and then like having to kind of be the stressful one in there. And I really also love Glenn Turman who um, a lot of like, he's one of those character actors who's been around forever. And he's one of those guys as well that like, you'd be like, huh, where have I seen him before? And like for a lot of people right now, because it's the holidays, they'll be revisiting gremlins. And he's the science yeah. teacher that, um, that oh, Billy yeah? gives, uh, the, God, I gotta watch gremlins. The, the, one of the other mogwais to, to experiment yeah. on. And, and you know, they're, it's a great horror scene with him. So if you, if you're watching gremlins yeah. and then you watch Ma Rainey, you're like, who is that guy? That's, that's the science teacher. In, in I didn't realize Coleman Domingo is also in Zola. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And then also yeah. uh, another actor that you might've recognized or been like, who, where have I seen that guy before is the police officer outside of the, um, uh, the studio that has the confrontation with Viola Davis's, uh, Ma Rainey, uh, Joshua Harto, uh, who's probably best known as Reese in the dark Knight, the guy who's trying to blackmail, uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So I was kind of like the whole time I was thinking like, Oh, these, you know, like you have a lot of these really, you know, great character actors in these roles. And, um, and again, I think it is performance forward than anything else. And, and, you know, Bozeman is, is really, really good in this movie, but it's, it's the weird thing with his career is it's like a lot of the movies that he's been in, I've liked his performance. I just haven't really loved the movie. Yeah. Like, and that kind of, yeah. You know, right? with the Jackie Robinson biopic with the James Brown biopic, it's like, he's always good. It's just the movie itself is not great. Like even in something like gods of Egypt with the Gerard Butler movie, um, the Alex Proyas film, he plays this shape-shifting God and he is having so much fun in that role. And you can tell that like, he knows exactly the kind of movie he's in and he is just literally stealing every scene he's in. Um, so it's draft day. Well, even a draft day. He's a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, being as a That's prospect I mean. for, yeah. for Costner's character, like he, he's always good. And, and, and I think that like, 
you know, if he were still around and after maybe Black Panther 2 and this, like, I think he would probably start working with a lot of, you know, interesting filmmakers. There was a project that him and Barry Jenkins were trying to put together. It just, it's like, you do feel the loss by the end of the movie and just the idea is like, like Heath Ledger and like even James Dean, where it's like these guys had so much more to give. And yeah, he did start late. I mean, you know, starting in your, you know, late thirties to early forties. I mean, he'd been around a lot before then, you know, as a New York actor doing TV stuff and stuff. Yeah. Like law and order and things like that. But um, yeah, you just kind of felt like, okay, this guy was really kind of, you know, coming into his own now and, and, and doing his own thing. And like, you know, the, the, that's the unfortunate part of it. I mean, we'll still have the performances that he left, but there's always going to be that question of like, you know, what could have been. Ironically, what if will be his um, final uh, role? He recorded, um, I think they said multiple episodes. He came in for three different recording sessions. So um, we still have um, a couple final performances from Chadwick Boseman playing uh, T'Challa and Black Panther in the Marvel What If series. So um, uh, we have that, which is just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, dude. It's just watching it was like, fuck, it sucks, man. Like, he is so good in this movie and he had so much ahead of him. But uh, do you think he gets a double nomination just quickly before the we Storm wrap up? Storm and Norman and uh, Defy Bloods? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah. possible. I mean, especially with the supporting actor category this year kind of being a complete toss up, I wouldn't be surprised. He's he's very good in that movie. Like the last scene, specific, I think I think that scene, his last scene in Defy Bloods was the one that got me most emotional thinking back about yeah. it because the way that that plays out between him and Delroy Lindo, who's incredible in that movie, um, it, it, it it hits you already pretty hard, especially like where Delroy Lindo's Paul is at that moment in his life. Um, but then like when you think about it now, it's it's it hits even harder. And I could see, you know, people watching it being like, yeah, like this is this is a a double nominee, and again, I think he's actually really great in 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 Defy Bloods, even though it's a smaller role. Yeah, same. Um, but yeah, I, I I I wouldn't put it past the Academy to nominate him for both, given what the year is, given he has passed away, and also yeah. um, just that supporting actor just seems almost like a free for all at this moment. It could be. Five people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, you have the ensemble cast of, you know, the Child of Chicago Seven and One Night in Miami, which I think someone from each, everyone's a support. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think someone from each will probably make it through, even though there will be a lot of internal fighting. Like a, a lot of people are saying, like it's going to be Sacha Baron Cohen and Leslie Odom Jr. from their respective films. But then you have also like, and again, critical consensus or at least like you know critical praise doesn't always translate doesn't always match no. up yeah. but the guy i'm really rooting for right now is paul racy from sound of metal and i think that that performance that performance gets in if riz ahmed gets in and if sound of metal does better than what people are expecting but if riz doesn't get in or the film and sound then that's probably not going to happen but that performance keeps catching people off guard because they're not expecting it. And it's not like Paul Racy is, you know, a, a musician by trade. So like that is kind of interesting as well, but this year it will be fascinating to watch some of those categories where like best yeah. actor Chadwick is in, like, there's no, there's no doubt about it. And I think it will come down oh, to him yeah. and Anthony Hawkins. So you have two stage adaptations, yeah, you know, competing for, you know, the best actor sense. prize. 
yeah that's cool um ultimately um didn't really vibe with me um i almost gave it a passing three but i actually i, I just did not really enjoy myself so uh a two and a half for me. i will give it a passing three because i liked what it did as a musical biopic not being just you know a cradle to the grave story and the performances overall but i do think that it could have been a little bit more cinematic or at least clever with you know the style of the movie yeah I'm with you. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you like this, we have a couple other shows that we would love for you guys to go check out. Uh, we have the Untitled Movie Podcast, uh, which is our flagship show where Eric and I kind of shoot the shit for uh, you know two plus hours, uh, usually bi-weekly right now during uh, quarantine. Uh, our last two episodes we covered, you know, on our 79th draft, we covered the big HBO Max, Warner Brothers news. And then our 80th draft, we talked for two and a half hours about all the announcements at the Disney Investor Day, um, including some Chaz- Chadwick Boseman with the Black Panther 2 um, news that they're not going to be recasting uh, his role, as well as, like I mentioned, him being in What If, and tons and tons of other stuff. Uh, so go check those out. Um, we have a, a couple new conversations for you guys to check out over on Untitled Movie Conversations. A uh, couple kind of funny episodes. We talked about uh, HBO Max, how much we missed going to the movies, uh, cheesy holiday movies with Joey Noel, with Nick Scarpino. We talked Star Wars, the MCU, 80s movies, the future of cinema. And then with Joey Magidson, uh from Awards Radar, we actually talked about uh, you know, um, award season this year. We talked a little bit about Chadwick Boseman and, and other people. So uh, go check out our newest uh, conversations as well. And for reviews, like I mentioned, we have reviews for Monster Hunter, Mank, Christmas Chronicles Part 2, Happiest Season. So there's lots of stuff up there. And like we said, there's going to be tons of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks before the end of the year. So uh, keep it locked right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. If you have a couple seconds, we'd love for you guys to toss us a review on this show and those two other shows that I just mentioned and follow us on all of those social medias at untitled underscore cast um as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the interwebs but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric march and you can follow me on the social medias at em6211 and uh find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene Until next time. Even though the band plays on, Chadwick Boseman will be missed.